What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the West Vibe Podcast. Got a special episode for you today. My guest is Nosila, formerly known as Allison Brooks. She is a musician, and she has been going through a bit of a metamorphosis over the last few years, both creatively and spiritually. And I'm just a huge fan of the new style of music that she's producing, and I'm so excited to share it with you today. We're going to take a listen to one of her tracks called Dark, which is one of my favorite ones that she's released over the last couple years. And then from there, we're just going to jump off and she's going to talk with us a little bit about her creative process. And then she opens up about the journey she's been on spiritually. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time here at the front uh, talking about the episode. I just want to jump right into it. So that's what we're going to do. Have a listen. Enjoy the song. Enjoy the conversation. We'll talk to you on the other side. I feel you tripping over sideways, getting out of my way, making everything too hard. You hear me say it's up on my way, explain it, try to unsay. Shine, 
Um, so this song is, I wrote it about, I guess I wrote it about marriage or like long-term partnerships. Um, if I'm being honest, but I, I think I've kind of gone away from trying to make songs to, like, I want to put a specific story in my songwriting, but I've tried not to ascribe too much specific meaning of what I intend for it to be, because I think that closes the door for someone to see themselves in the story. So, like, a, a songwriting trick is to, like, be as specific as possible, like, like, say, say a place or like mention a color or a, or a smell or like use one of the five senses. That's really great. Um, and I do that still. Um, but as far as like big picture, um, trying to put a lot of meaning on the song, I try to leave the meaning a little more open for someone to see themselves in the story. But as far as like what inspired it, yeah, I think. It was definitely a song basically about being in a long-term relationship and, like, the joys and struggles of it. Um, so I wanted to take the phrase, um, love is blind, uh, sort of turn it on its head and say that that can be a good thing sometimes. <laughs> love mm-hmm. is blind, but, like, not always to a fault, I guess. So. Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's like we're going where things are dark, but we're, but we're able to see the light brighter in the darkness. And, um, yeah, I, I think that sometimes going through tough stuff in relationships is actually really great if you do it well. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. go through it well, I mean, how can you go through it like perfect? No, but. If you communicate along the way, so uh, yeah, getting through it's a big part of the journey. Yeah. So when you're so when you're writing, do you do you start with the music or do you start with the lyrics and then find music to fit it? Yeah. So I usually start when I write music. I usually start with a chord progression, or if it's on the computer, I'll start with the night idea, some sort of loop, or synth thing that sounds cool and then from there the idea for the song comes pretty quick because the the music kind of has a mood I feel like and I feel like music is saying something without having to say anything if if you know what I mean um and then the lyrics are probably like the part that takes the longest to flesh out but yeah, they come usually last for me. But sometimes I'll have, like, an idea for the song or, like, a lyric snippet pretty quick at the very beginning, kind of at the same time as the chord progression part. Okay. How is the... So so your style is, has changed. Has the, has the writing process changed as, you, as you've evolved in, in your musical style? Yeah, I mean, I feel like probably instead of, like, starting on a guitar or piano, I haven't, I more often start on the computer with a synth lead or a loop, or I, like, have a beat that I think is pretty cool, and I'm like, I just 
I want to write to that instead of, I don't know, sometimes when I was writing more folky music, it would be very focused on just the melody and like getting the top line right. Um, then now it's more like you kind of want to get the production right at the same time as the top line. The top line is like the main melody part. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I guess it's changed a little. I've maybe reprioritized, whereas before production was kind of the last piece, it's now like inextricably linked at this point. So with it's it seems to me and and I'm just completely ignorant on this that like you know your, your older your older style had was was a little bit more lyrically driven like folk music tends to be in my in, in my ignorant opinion to be a little bit more lyrically driven whereas your new style is is a little bit more uh musically driven and so there's not as much um as many lyrics in the song is that is that a fair enough assumption or assertion or is is that yeah kind of- I, I would agree um i think i think it's also the nature of like what i'm trying to do now it's um i guess i've like tried not to take myself as seriously <laughs> i mean in in a weird way that means i do take myself more seriously mm-hmm but I don't know. There's sort of this self-indulgent part of being an artist where you just kind of go inward and you try to say like the most important thing and, um, make every piece of work your, you know, big moment to shine. And, and I'm still trying to make like important art and say important things, but. I'm more like trying to just put stuff out now, make it a practice um, that's fun, art, a practice that is fun and process that is manageable, you know, instead of like burning myself out by trying mm-hmm. to sit down and put pressure on every song to be this big moment important lyrical moment um i do like some songs are really actually i feel like more lyrically driven than before i mean i'm there's a few songs like shiver i i think that's some of my best lyric writing maybe not on the surface but like at least what i intended for the play on words to say and all that stuff so but like yeah well, like, dark is, like, a little less about big moments and more about, well, I guess, a little more fun. I don't know. I'm just trying to take myself a little less seriously and just do it for the joy of it. Yeah, I can see how, like, if you're trying to still, you know, make a statement with your art, but now you're having to use essentially less words the words become way more important and, and that they're creating, you know, the, what they're trying to say has to be much more succinct and, and the wordsmithing has to be a little bit, uh, more, uh, on point than if you have, you know, um, a lot more, uh, lyrics to your songs. 
Uh, and then what, what I really like about like the whole, like kind of like electron, electronic pop kind of style that you're going towards in the genre specifically is that it seems to, to really, in my opinion, blend the, the lyrics and the music together to create a more emotional experience. That seems, I'm sure most people would disagree with me, but, um, there's just a little <laughs> bit more of a connection. <laughs> There, for me anyway, that like the music and the lyrics work together in a different way than they do in like a folky sound or, or more of a, uh, singer songwriter kind of like style where the lyrics tend to take the, the front of the, of the song. Is that, yeah, I guess, is that, is that a fair assertion? Or how do you, when you're, when you're writing your songs, like, are you, are, are you starting like trying to think about, how to, what is the emotion that you're trying to communicate along with what you're trying to say? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think you're right. So I think trying not only to say something through your lyrics, but also through the music. So the, the music is speaking as much as the lyrics are in this style of music. Whereas maybe folk music is a little bit more about just the lyrics saying something. And I guess for me, like before, that would put a lot of pressure on just like trying to make every song be so important. And, um, not that I, I'm not trying to be intentional with the way I write. It's actually ending up being more intentional in a way, but not like putting pressure on just one aspect of the songwriting process sort of like alleviates so you're like distributing the weight that the song has to carry if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so so you've been you've been working in in your new style for like two or three years now is that right yeah i think two years yeah well but like really only a year because oh sorry go ahead no no Go ahead. Oh, like really only a year, I feel like, because the first year was like learning how to produce. <laughs> it was okay. like just learning, putting out some demos. But yeah, I guess two years, kind of. What What led you, like what was the process for you in deciding to make this pretty significant shift in, in the style of art that you're creating? Um, I don't, I think it was just by accident, kind of. Um, but I was kind of burned out making folk music and, um, I'd been feeling sort of like creatively stifled maybe, or just for me personally, I didn't feel like I had anywhere to grow beyond where I had to grow in the context I was making music in. And then I moved and I had zero intentions of changing my style and I didn't I didn't even think I said it out loud to myself like oh I need to change things up but it just happened I was just so burned out and like tired of what I was doing and I wasn't really growing and then I moved and I don't know something about like really changing things up in one way really like informs the rest of your life (laughs) So I was able to have some space in my life because my social setting had changed. My city had changed. Um, the way I was like living, we, we moved from the country to 
from the country to a city. Um, yeah, just kind of gave me space to try something new and I liked it and it was fun again instead of a drag. Um, I wasn't worried about making people upset or doing the wrong thing. I was just doing music to do music and it was really freeing. And so I'm like, I think I want to do this. <laughs> well, yeah. That's how that happened. How, how much did, how much did your, your new city? So you live in Portland now, right? <laughs> how much did that influence the direction that you went? Um, I guess not. You know, it's weird because Portland is actually a really big, uh, folk scene. There's actually not a pop scene here at all. But maybe I, maybe subconsciously I saw that like I could explore something I was excited about and also like fill a pocket that hadn't been oversaturated yet. And I, it just, you know, so maybe in that way, like a subconscious sort of click, but I don't, I don't know that it was like, oh yeah, Portland is super poppy and I like just felt like making pop music all of a sudden because Portland was, you know, it was mm-hmm. probably more of like a self-discovery process of just moving in general. It could have been Portland. It could not have been. Um, but I also feel like maybe like because the Portland music community is really quite vibrant and I've found it to be welcoming. Um, I think I felt encouraged to try something new and that made a huge difference. So I guess in that way, it really helped shape what I'm doing now. Yeah. The, the, you know, changing to a new area really does make it easier to kind of go on that, that journey of self-exploration, I think, um, to, to kind of, un, you know, find something new about yourself when you're kind of like de- detached from what, what was in the friend circles and, and the environments that you had been in. Then you kind of have this like space where you're somewhere new and nobody knows you. And so you have like a moment to kind of like, almost recreate yourself if you want to. And yeah, I found in, in my moving, like that, I, those moments, like whenever we move is just a time for me to like almost take stock of like, okay, what do I want to change? And what do I want to keep of, yeah, you know, who I am this far and and what do I want to see change? And, and I think too, the Pacific Northwest, you know, we just, we were lived last year in Spokane and we just moved and, there's something about that area of the country too that just really um lends itself i more than any other part of the country i've lived in to just kind of that that freedom of self exploration and self expression uh than like you get in the south or the midwest or the northeast i don't know if that's just in my in my head but i've definitely felt a lot more freedom to be able to just kind of like explore who I was and and what mattered to me and, and, you know, what are some of the parts of myself that I wanted to change more so than, than really anywhere else I'd ever been. So it could just be that kind of like part of the country. Yes. I feel like you said that better than me. Um, (laughs) yeah, 
I don't have to go to therapy today. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, you like, you like decoded my life a little bit there. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Totally. There's something about this place. Also, part of, this is silly, but part of the reason why I moved here is because I just really, really like nature. And where we were living in Michigan, it was like cold and snowy and gray for like eight months out of the year. And it, mm-hmm. it just was like in probably I was just getting seasonal depression every year pretty bad. And not that I I'm still sad. <laughs> I'm a sad girl sometimes. Yeah. I'm a artist feeler. But you come out here and although it's gray, it stays green all year long. And right. you always have a hike to go on, even if it's like just a park and you don't have to wear a giant coat. As long as you got yourself a good quality raincoat you know like you can be outside so yeah i i think i don't know that really inspired my my artist soul too because i'm taking care of the part that was really feeling dried up and not filled up with good healthy things for the mind and the soul and the body <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Not that you yeah, can't find you, that in Michigan, but I I had a hard time. So. Yeah, I think different people like connect with different parts of the world too. You know, like I there's there's lots of beauty everywhere in the country, right? But there's yes. definitely parts of the country that I've lived in that it connects to my soul in a different way than other parts. Like Arizona is was a place for me where like the landscape and just the beauty of Arizona. Yeah. It's one of the best places I've ever lived. And, uh, and would just love to go back there because I just, you know, just inspired. I I couldn't not be outside the whole time I was there. I was outside every day. I was riding bikes. I was climbing mountains. We were, you know, going to the Grand Canyon and hiking. Like it just, we just had to be outside all the time. And, uh, and that really got me pumped up. And, and the Northwest, I, I didn't get outside as much as I wanted to just because we were, you know, it seemed like we were mostly there in the winter, even though we were there for a whole year. But, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, but still, you know, just like you said, it was even, even through the winter, it was still green and, mm-hmm. and it just was like an inspiring place to be. And, and there's just yeah. different places like that. But like I've lived in Louisville, Kentucky, and that place is gorgeous. You know, as far as a city to live in, Louisville is great, but it didn't have the same, like, the the environment didn't connect in the same way for me. Even though it was mm-hmm. beautiful, it didn't have, you know, cause the same amount of, like, inspiration of soul uh, living there that mm-hmm. other places have. So I think different people connect to different areas um, on that spiritual, emotional level differently. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think you're right. Totally. Because I have friends who just really... Well, and I, I wasn't like a, I always tried to make the best of where I, I was at. Like it was never an issue per se. Oh boy. Hold on. Just dropped my thing. Um, yeah, I never like tried to, com- well, I tried not to complain about Michigan too much while I was there, but yeah, like when I came out here, my husband and I came out for vacation right before we moved and we we're like, Oh my gosh, what if we moved here? You know, it was like one of those things you say, like as a joke to each other, like that would be cool. 
but we could never. And then, I don't know, we just connected, yeah, like you said, on a soul level. And then it kind of stars aligned and we came out like two, three months later. You mentioned when you were talking about, um, I should have taken a note of the exact words, but when you were talking about kind of like why you were transitioning and, and changing styles, you made mention of like, um, something to the effect of like not having to feel so much pressure, um, to get it right or, or being as worried about what people think about the music. Like, was it, I just kind of like to kind of explore that. Cause then you also made mention like of talking about being there in Portland and, and being in that music scene of being more free and open and people being more accepting. So what was the difference between, between that? Like, what was it about where you were working and what you were working on uh, with the more folk yeah. style that kind of led to that feeling of judgment and kind of like restriction? Uh, well, I was making sort of, this is hard to talk about still because I'm still unpacking it. It's, it's like a mix of emotions for me. It's like really great emotions and some not so great ones, but I was making music that was more geared towards church people. Um, I was sort of doing the church circuit in the music I made and, um, it was, I, there were these invisible expectations. I don't think there wasn't a law that you had to say your lyrics a certain way. There wasn't anything that was saying you had to do your the style of music a certain way. But you wouldn't get booked if you if you did your style outside of this certain invisible circle or if you weren't if you said certain things you would get emails or if you <laughs> looked a certain way you would get facebook <laughs> messages and i like i don't know why and and sometimes maybe i wonder if it's just that i'm very sensitive but i don't i don't know i can't I don't have like a, a tech, I didn't put, I didn't take a poll, a very extensive poll, but I did ask a few friends, like, are you guys like getting emails and like letters about how evil you are because you're doing this or this or whatever? Um, and of all my friends who are also doing like the church circuit music stuff, um, none of them really said that they, got the type of responses that I did. So I don't know. There's something maybe about what I was doing that just rubs people the wrong way because I know a lot mm. of people thrive in that environment. Um, but I guess maybe, you know, I feel like it was, it was like I was trying to fit into something that wasn't for me. Maybe it was at first, but then I like sort of, grew out of it and maybe people could sense it, you know, like maybe it wasn't that I was doing anything so crazy, but maybe there's this like <laughs> this cosmic nudging sort of like, Hey, not doing the right thing right now. And I felt it. Maybe other people felt it. Maybe that's why I got the types of 
feedback I got, but I don't know. I just, yeah, I felt more than other people. Like I got the weird emails (laughs) and, Mm. you know, I don't know. And then just like generally speaking, I wanted to do different style of music, try different things. But I, you know, like I said, there's like this invisible circle of what's allowable and um I wasn't I you know if I tried that it wasn't in that circle of allowable things so I just I don't know I guess I just was like maybe maybe it's okay for me to like move on from this it feels like it doesn't fit me anymore um I don't know does that answer your question <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Was was the criticism about the the music you were making, or was it more just about how you presented? Because you know, I'm just I'm just trying to think back about you know, like your your first two albums, and like you know, I mean, there is, you know, there are those people that are just completely absurdly ridiculous, right? Like I've gotten yeah. some feedback about my podcast, not you know, not being, yeah. uh, you know, not being, you know good enough for our particular, you know, brand of, of church and, and, you know, accusations about, you know, my, you know, my spirituality, just because, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not conforming to, you know, there's the, I, I agree with you hundred percent, I guess, first of all, to say that there are even, even in other areas of, of the church, there's these like, like unspoken expectations about what is good and what is not good. And so, yeah. anyway, I just wonder if it, if it was about the music or if it was just more about, like, that they were taking issue with stupid, superficial stuff. Um, um just kind of, like, you know, it was all fault. of it, to be honest. It was a mixed bag. Like, I got, I think because I'm a small person, I'm a woman, I got a lot of comments about how it looked. Like, mm-hmm. more than I think is appropriate. And not because mm-hmm. someone, like, like, sometimes it is because, some person who feels um that their christian values should be everyone else's um thinks that you know you shouldn't dress a certain way or whatever that's normal but i've gotten even comments about like my weight like you're hmm. <laughs> like you're too skinny you're being a bad influence on all the young women who look up to you and that was just like uh, you know, I can't, I, I can't help the, the weight I, I am. And, um, mm-hmm. I felt really like unfairly judged because this person said I was anorexic and I'm like, are you, are you kidding? You don't even know me. Like, right. uh, I don't know. Anyway, so that, yeah. it makes me laugh now, but at the time it was like really soul crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, of course there's like issue with music too. I don't know. I just feel like I got like a weird amount of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so but like has, not to say ahead. that there wasn't, weren't lots of positive things people said too. Um, so I don't want to be like a, like glom on to negativity either. There right. was a lot of good that came on, came from it, and a lot of good comments, more so than bad ones. But yeah, yeah. I just 
personally but, felt like, um, like I was trying to f- make people happy and I eventually decided I didn't want to always make people happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, you know, I, I had basically the same experience in ministry as I, as I started like kind of like moving from a more like conservative uh, end of the spectrum to, you know, what, uh, you know, more moderate or what some people would call, you know, incredibly liberal. Um, yeah. You know, like I started feeling very out of place and, you know, would get comments from old friends that, you know, I had done ministry with or whatever about concerned about my spirituality because I was, you know, for whatever, whatever it was, you know, like I wasn't conforming to like the, the established norm of what my circle said was okay. And mm. I had to go to counseling for like six months to work through that. You know, like it yeah. took me a long time to kind of like separate myself out and, and be able to separate myself from the, from the ministry that I was doing and had been part of like, and find myself in it. Because when I, when I had my conversion experience and came back to the Lord, like I threw myself into, you know, Bible working and evangelism and all of these things. And, and so like my, I only saw myself through that lens. And then as that started breaking down and I started, you know, having struggles with, you know, being on board with some of the tactics that were used and the way we went about doing things and started to break, like I, I had to like really do this work to like separate myself out from that so that I could like process, okay, who am I and what's important to me? And really had to go on this journey. Mm-hmm. It's been a several, several years of just figuring out, okay, who am I? And then, and then getting to the place where I'm comfortable with that and then deciding, okay, now, you know, either, either the church is going to want to use me for ministry or it's not, you know, <laughs> that has not yeah. been an easy process, but I, but I can, I can identify with a lot of what you're saying because there's just in, and there's so many people that just think that, that their opinion is right and that, that yeah. somehow it should matter to you because they're going to tell you, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it makes it really, yeah. really difficult to, to do new things or try new things, um, or even really yeah. you know, work through, you know, your, your internal stuff. You know, it was difficult for me to process some of the internal struggles I had because I felt so much control being placed on me from, from external sources. Yeah. When you, I mean, so thank you for saying that. That That's really important. Um, I actually feel like after I stopped doing, I don't know, folky Christian churchy music, um, I did get like the typical, like few people. I didn't really make a big stink of it. I tried to just like, low key switch it up <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um i didn't like write a big blog post about why i was doing it or like try to make a big statement because to be honest i'm just right now like trying to figure out like what music what part music what role music plays in my life um and if it's going to be something i do for fun or if it's going to be something i try to do for a living and fun and like how to balance that. But I've just tried to like unlink it from, you know, my, the other things I used to link it to because I think it became toxic. Sort of like linking it to my spirituality. So if music wasn't going well, 
then spirituality wasn't going well. Um, but I don't know. I, I got the typical response from, from people saying like, you're disappointed and that they liked my old stuff better. But then I got a lot of people being like, Hey, like, thank you for, for doing this because I feel like I need to grow and try new things too. And, um, thanks for doing that. And I was like, wow. So like, not everyone's mad at me all the time too. Like there are people who can relate to, um, what other people called bad decisions. <laughs> Some people are going to say are good decisions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. what you're saying, thank you for saying it because I can relate to it. Well, and I'm a big fan of the, of the new style too, you know, like, and I, I think that it's really important, you know, from, from a, from a spiritual perspective that, that we use the art forms available to us in a way that, that we can communicate, you know, practical spirituality, if you want to call it that, you know, the songs don't have to be overtly scriptural and, you know, but it can be, um, you know, presenting, you know, I, the, the album that I think about the most when I think about this is uh, Love and War and the Sea in Between uh, by Josh Garrels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, when I, that was like one of the first, like, kind of um, not, like, pop Christian music albums that I came across uh, when it came out. And if you were just listening to it and you didn't know that it was a Christian album, like you would have to really pay attention to find out that it is a Christian album, right? Because he doesn't ever say, I don't even think he says the word Jesus in the whole album, mm-hmm. right? But he's talking about, you know, spiritually influenced perspective. Um, yeah. But it's the, the, the style of it is, you know, very unique. And, and I think that we need art like that in the church to, um, to, help communicate the things that we think are important to the world that, you know, isn't really interested in listening to very churchy stuff as much um, Hmm. anymore. And, you know, everyone can pull out studies that say whatever, but I think it's important that we, that we not just shut something down because it, it doesn't sound like church anymore. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I don't know. Do you, so, so being that your music was very, you know, for the church, toured in church, you know, was, what's been the process for you of like, how have you worked through the separating out of like your spirituality from your music in this and, and what's the impact been on, on you from a spiritual perspective, having to separate the two. Um, It seems like they would probably be very intertwined before. Yeah. I think I had a, like just my people pleaser, dependent on um making people happy it's sad to say it out loud but i'm learning that that's why those comments like the weird emails i got were so impacting because my personality is very bent towards like trying to make someone else happy and um so i just felt pulled in a million different directions so for me like separating that um sort of invisible pressure from the way that I make music was freeing because I could just ask myself questions that I never had the chance to ask before. Um, 
And honestly, like right now, I don't go to church and I like it. It's really been great. Um, there's just like a freedom I feel right now. And I'm not saying I never want to go to church again. Um, I actually really miss it too. Um, there's so much good and, uh, it's family, you know, like it, you can't ever really leave church. I don't think <laughs> even if you're like, I'm not a Christian anymore. Um, or not a believer, whatever, it's family. You're going to be related to them forever, you know. Uh, So even though I don't currently attend church, um, I just feel like giving myself permission to ask questions and just be a human for a bit instead of always feel like I had to, like I said before earlier, say something important and know exactly what the answer to everything was. It was just so much pressure. Um, and I just feel really relieved at this point. And, and I, I hope that like I can start answering questions again, but right now for me, where I'm at is, um, right now I just need to take the pressure off myself to have an answer for everything. I need to learn just how to be a human in on the planet on planet Earth, not in, um, not just in church, because I got really good at being a human in church. But um, mm-hmm. then you go out and you're like, oh man, this is so awkward. But then you realize it's not so awkward. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm just being yeah. right now. Um, and it, I think it's been healthy. I know, I, I know the voices that will say that it's not, but, um, it has definitely been for me and I'm not putting any pressure on myself. Oh, neighborhood dog. Hold on. I'm not putting any pressure on myself to try to figure out the time when I'm going to be ready to answer questions again, or I'm just, I don't know, kind of letting my body heal in a way from anxiety and stress. And yeah. When you say answer questions, you've mentioned that, you've mentioned that a couple of times, like to answer questions, like what kind of questions are you thinking about when you say that? Uh, just the big existential ones. I mean, okay, when I sure. was, uh, when, when I was doing, when I was doing church music, I, mm-hmm. I studied, I actually studied religion undergrad because I was so worried about saying the wrong thing theologically. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure, like, kind of cement that every song that I wrote would be, like, correct. Um, mm-hmm. And I relied very heavily on, you know, the influence of people that I love and um, the bigger voices in the church who I looked up to. And now I'm just trying to, instead of like looking to fill those answers with those things, I'm trying to 
just take a step back and be like, who am I? I am now getting older. I never gave myself a chance to even have like a moment where I could ask questions and be like, I don't know, you know, cause that was, mm. that freaked me out. That wasn't correct. Mm. You couldn't, you couldn't not know. You had to know. <laughs> so right. just sitting with saying, I don't know. That is even like, so it would be easier, honestly, if I were just to be like, oh yeah, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't go to church. That would be easier. Mm. That would be the easy way out of this right now. But for me to be like, I don't know. I have some questions about the way I was raised. Um, I'm giving myself space to ask those questions. And I don't know when I'll be ready to really answer them. I don't know if I ever will try to like fully answer them because I don't know if having an exact answer that never changes forever is, <laughs> is healthy either. I don't know. So being able just to say, I don't know, has been really, really hard. It's taken me two years to like three years, maybe. I don't know. Just to say that out loud to people. But I don't know. It's sort of like giving me space to be honest with myself and other people and just show a side of vulnerability that I think a lot of people go through this, but they like internally, but they, I mean, on whether you're a Christian or not a Christian or however you identify, you have questions about the way you're raised and what's happening in the world. And, and to be able to say, I don't know yet, but I want to learn is really scary because it's easier just to like, glom onto an answer or to read an article or to read something that gives you the answer. And mm -hmm. I don't know, to sit with it. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I identify so. a lot with that because I used to really, really strive to be able to answer the deep philosophical questions about why the Bible and why God and why can you believe these things and, and have all the answers to it. And, and then through, through my journey, I just got to the place that like, you know, I, I went through a very similar time to what you're describing where I literally just said, okay, you know, if what I believe is, is true, then I can, I can clean the table and then I can just start over. Right. I don't have to take what was just given me. And so I just mm -hmm. literally just like wiped the table clean and said, okay, step one, uh, God, and then just started yeah. exploring my relationship to God and then had to rebuild my theological, you know, perspective. And, and what's interesting about that process for me, that's, that's actually becoming more of a challenge for me now that I'm a pastor is that I don't feel like I have all the answers. I don't know. Like I sit and I visit with people now, um, you know, as a pastor and they're, they're telling me about the things that they've been through in their life. And, and I mm -hmm. feel like this pressure that I'm supposed to have an answer, but I have no answer. But what I do know is that, that, is that Jesus is, is real, right? So that's what I tell people. Like, I, I can't tell you, I can't answer evolution and all these philosophical things, but I know Jesus. And if, if you want, I can, I can, I can, share with you how I know that Je how I know Jesus and how I have this relationship with this person uh who is God mm -hmm. 
And, and that's the only thing that really matters to me anymore. And so like, mm-hmm. I, I can't, you know, I feel this, like this pressure again, once more to have like all the right answers, but I don't have them. And all I can tell people <laughs> is, is that Jesus is real and he loves you. And, and let's talk to him about it because I don't know, I don't know how to tell you how to deal with these things that, that you're struggling with, but, but I know that yeah. Jesus has an answer and that feels like I'm <laughs> failing as a pastor because I don't, you know, I don't have the right Bible verse to point him to or, or, you know, know all the right answers, but, but that's the human condition. I think is that we're all, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, like we're just trying to figure out how to get through life and, mm-hmm. and how to, you know, be the best person we can be with, with the, with what we have to work with. And, and I think that, that, that Christianity wants to exist in that place, but so often we don't let it because we say, well, Christianity is this box. And it only works if you get in the box, you know, and we don't mm-hmm. let it like invade the rest of our life. But, you know, I, I, I went through that, you know, like I said, very similar was just like, okay, it's either going to be real out here in the real world where I can have real friends who are not like, not real friends sounds bad, but I can have friends that don't, you know, of the same theological persuasion as me and we can mm-hmm. have fun together and we can do life together. And, uh, and I can still be who I am based on what I believe and they can be who they are and we can do this together. Like that, that was real important to me in that process. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get it. It's, I mean, you know, like there's just this point where you got to decide if, if, if it's you or not and not something that was just kind of put on you. Yeah. And I think because I picked up the, the sort of, music and I not that I was like any anything special but you know if you're in front of people at such a young age and you know I I didn't think I was that young when I started I was like 24 but you know when you start (laughs) but to but now looking back I'm like I was just a little baby like I started being in front of people and having to have an answer for things so young and I I like another little um, caveat there is that I was always trying to be the good one growing up because my sister had a lot of issues and she was struggling with addiction and, you know, I've an invisible pressure to not like let my parents down. So like really come through for them, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm embarrassed sometimes that I like, I'm kind of late to the existential crisis game. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like, oh man, oh, couldn't I have done this like five years ago? Like, come on. But I don't know, like you can't you can't you can't time these things and yeah. It just happened when they need to happen. I find that the the older I get, like and the more I wrestle with these existential questions, the more like I wish that it had happened earlier, but then I also realized that I wouldn't be able to wrestle with them in the same way when I was younger, because I just didn't even have like, I didn't have the ability, the reasoning ability to think through things the way I think through it now. So it's like, I wish that I had, had, had answered these questions and dealt with these things earlier in life so that I could have spent, not has spent so many years kind of like lost in it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, if it, if it wasn't now, I wouldn't be able to get where I'm getting. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's true. Like, just, you know, you know, I don't, you know, there was this thing, I don't know how old you are, but when I hit, like, when I was in my 
late twenties, like I thought I was, you know, you know, had it figured out and kind of knew what was going on. When I hit 32, for some reason, 32 was just a time when I just like the whole world changed for me. And I realized that I didn't know <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Just got like this moment of perspective where I was like, man, think about how much I've learned in the last 32 years. And most of that, I was an idiot kid. And so what yeah. will I know when I'm 64? That was like, and it was just like, <laughs> I know nothing. And it just like changed everything. Yeah. hundred. Uh, but I think, you know, that, that's the, that's the thing. Like, I don't think that's ever going to stop if we're, if we're really, we're really honest about it. Like if we get to the place where we stop questioning and making sure that, that what we, what we believe and how we see the world fits with, with, you know, where we are as a person and, and how we're growing, then, you know, that, I think that's always going to be happening. We don't, we don't ever stop having questions. Yeah. Um, so cool. So you're saying at the end of this, it's, there's no end to it. <laughs> cool. Well, cool. Cool. Know, I think, <laughs> you know, for me, like the thing has been that like, you know, I, I see, you know, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, going through, you know, different in their own way, these different, you know, times of questioning and whatever. And, and I think, you know, the thing for me, the, the one thing that I held on to that was really important for me in the process was that, um, you know, there was, there was a point in, in the journey where I was like, you know what? Um, screw this whole religion thing. I don't want anything to do with it. And, uh, and I'm just going to go back to the way life used to be. And, uh, and I'm going to go back to living, living my life. And there was a lot of implications with that, you know, cause I was, you know, now married to, you know, a girl who didn't deserve what was going to happen if I had followed through on, on that fully. And, and so I just, I came to this point and I said, all right, God, if, if you're real, you know what I'm, the direction I'm about to go, you know, my plans, I had this whole thing planned out of how I was going to lead a double life you know, and try not to hurt my wife and all of these things. And, uh, and I said, but I'm giving you permission to intervene. And so mm. you can stop this if you want to stop it. And he did. And so what, what that did for me, and, and then from there is where I went and just kind of like scraped the table and said, okay, I'm going to take the Bible. Like, I'm going to believe that I believe the Bible. Right. And then, but everything else is up for question. And, mm. and so, you know, having that, having that foundation that I work from has allowed me to, um, you know, ask whatever questions I want to ask and explore whatever I feel like I need to explore in terms of, you know, who I am as a person and how I relate to the world around me. But I have that foundation of scripture to say, okay, you know, this is, this is what I'm thinking. How does this fit within, you know, my understanding of scripture? And so it's helped, it's helped give me like a, like an anchor point. And I think that from, from, that's what I think is important. Like there has to be some, some anchor of, of how you see the world. For me, that, that's allowed me to ask a lot of really difficult questions of myself and my belief system. Um, and I think, you know, I think that a lot of people feel like because of how the Bible has been like portrayed to them as, you, you know, blind faith, unquestioning, and it only looks this way. Like it seems like, okay, this is a really unreliable uh, document to use as that anchor point. But, you know, mm. I, when you look, when you read about the characters in the Bible, like they were some messed up, screwed up at times, terrible people. Right. <laughs> and, and mm. that all that story is recorded in there. So, um, it's, 
it's helped me to be able to like go ask those questions. And so then I'm not so worried about whether or not I'll ever find the answers because, you know, I, I believe that, that there's, there's a, a constant, like, um, I'm trying to think of the word right now, but just kind of like that, uh, and whenever they're building something, they put these little brass things in the ground as like a set point. Anyway, I don't know what the word is. Yeah, called, those, um, yeah, just kind of go. Yeah, those poles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah those, survey those marks things. or whatever. But yeah. yeah, so I can I can go explore because I you know I have you know I have a, a place that I'm angry to. So whatever you know you got to go on that you got to go on that journey you got to find that for yourself. But that's yeah. that's really helped. Me I feel like I'm just like getting to the point where I feel like I'm re- maybe like could start putting some like I haven't even put any anchor points down yet. Like, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, like, this has been really freeing just to, like, release myself from the invisible pressure I put on myself. Um, cool. That's great. And now I'm, like, yeah. three years in, and I'm like, okay, maybe, like, this year or next, I can start putting some small little stakes in the ground. I don't know. It's, I, like, it freaked me out at first because I was like, wait, what? not supposed to i don't know but now i'm sort of like Mm -hmm. i think i just have to let this play out um yeah and i'll freak my mom out and she'll be okay because i love her (laughs) (laughs) so uh so going forward for you musically like i know you just like put out a few uh like an ep it's got like a little sample of like three tracks do you have like an album yeah. you're working on or what's your what's your plans i don't know <laughs> um can you tell i'm in this weird place in my life um yeah i think i'm just trying to focus on being healthy and mentally and physically and um the stuff that comes after that is like i always have to just fit it in into that You know, like, is this, like, what is good for my marriage? What is good for my mental health? And while I recently had some physical health issues, which were weird because it's the first time in my life that's ever happened. Um, So, like, I do want to do another album, but that costs money. So I'm probably just going to put out singles because mental health wise, that might be easier on me. So I don't have to scramble for cash to make that happen and yeah just trying to also like work a day job and live a balanced life be a human in the world um i that's another really big shift that's happened creatively is getting a day job um creativity is part of my life and always will be and i definitely want it to be um I I would love for it to just be the only thing I do, but it's actually been really healthy for me to work um just a day daily grind type of job. I actually teach music, so it's not like so vastly different from what I want to be doing with my life. I'm like music adjacent, you know? Um but mm-hmm. <laughs> but like just showing up to work and like having to interact with the same people every day instead of like what I was doing before is just like kind of hopping around and not having much of a social life. Um, or like if I did, it was like, I'm here for this weekend or like 
but like gone for two months. So I don't know. You never really get like held accountable for some of the bad habits you develop. Like I was like late for everything always, but like I could just sort of like tell myself like it was the only time I was late because <laughs> I was like, well, they don't, they don't know that I'm late to every other gig. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like, so I can't be late for work. I'll get fired. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm focusing on. Just like, I know that sounds really terrible, but yeah, I'm just trying to like be a human, show up for, for my community, show up for my friends, build, um, slowly, not try to figure everything out too fast. And yes, mm -hmm. an EP will probably come, but I just want to make sure I do it in a way that's healthy and not trying to bite off more than I can chew or be a hero. <laughs> I hope that conversation was as meaningful for you as it was for me. It's incredibly difficult sometimes to open up and be that vulnerable in such a public forum like a podcast something that's going to be released and available and and open to the public but but uh, i'm incredibly grateful that allison was willing to do that with me looking forward um one of my goals when i set out for this podcast this year was to release 26 episodes and uh, i've been wrestling with what the future of the podcast is going to look like whether we're going to go beyond that but next week is the 26th episode of the podcast released this year and at that point we're going to take a break we're going to call that season one and uh we're going to break for the rest of the year and i'm going to start working on season two and uh i'm really excited about that i'm going to take it in a little bit different direction next season but you'll have to stay tuned to hear more about that next week my guest is going to be caleb isley you may know him from humans of adventism i'm looking forward to sharing that conversation with you next week um, just want to put a little bit more of a personalized thank you to Disruptive Adventism. They've been a sponsor of the podcast this year. It would not have been possible without Jose's support and the team over at Disruptive Adventism. Um, if you haven't checked out their podcast, I really encourage you to do that. Jose is doing some really great stuff with that podcast. And what a great vision that he has for supporting other ministries. That's one thing that I love about the podcast community. In, in the Adventist church is that we all help each other and we work together and we share ideas and, and those that have like Jose are willing to support those who have not like myself and make sure that we can have the resources we need to put out the best content that we can so that we can speak into the, the church and into our faith community. This show would not exist without the support from Jose and Disruptive Adventism. So Really appreciate that. If you want to join in with disrupting the status quo of the Adventist church, then you can go over to disruptiveadventism.org or check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Same goes for Andrew over at 42 Design. He has been just a great supporter of the podcast this year. I am so grateful that he was willing to uh, support this show with his talents and help as I got this off the ground. So thank you, Andrew. You can get in contact with him over at 42design.co and he will help you out with whatever graphic design needs you may have. With that, we'll sign off for this week. Hope you'll come back next week for our final episode of Season 1 with Caleb Isley. See you next time on the West 5 Podcast.